Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. Now, over the years, the aim of this podcast has been to provide a midweek devotional ministry for our church body. We've read through the Bible together in 2017. We've read through books together. We've even studied through the Heidelberg Catechism together. But in addition to devotional teaching, we also want to use this podcast as a way to help our church body get to know one another better through a series of interviews. We're sitting down with folks in the church, asking them a handful of questions, all with the aim of building deeper relationships within the body. Here's one of those interviews. We hope you enjoy it. We have Dan and Dixie here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. I want to start with a two-minute introduction from each of you, if you don't mind, just kind of where you were born, where you were raised. How did you come to know the Lord? Okay, well, I'll be happy to begin with that. Thank you, Lee and Stacy, for facilitating this uh, time together. It's, a, it's an honor to do it. Uh, I was born in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, many years ago, we're to let folks know, we we were in the 65 and over overflow rooms. That kind of gives you an idea where we are in the, in the chronology of the church body. But anyway, uh, uh, raised uh, by uh, uh, two parents that took me to church, and I'm so thankful for that. We lived in Fort Worth until I was uh, about 12. Then my father took a job in Houston and finally began to work with uh, with NASA down there in uh, Third Lake City, south of Houston. And during the glory days of the moon landings and those kind of things, that was exciting. So I did, did high school uh, down there. I made a profession of faith at nine years old at a little Baptist church. Actually, in my mother, in my parents' bedroom, the pastor came over and, and uh, showed me the gospel and led me through a, through a prayer. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but that, that was my first uh, uh, sense of commitment to Christ. And uh, so I uh, went to uh, uh, high school in the South Texas, the South Houston area, then to Texas A&M, and that's where I met uh, Dixie. And, Yay! So that was a fun thing at, at the Baptist Student Center, and that was a wonderful place, and that was an important part of our spiritual growth, too. I, I was a couple years ahead of her. We married, uh, I graduated, we married a year or so later, and I, my first job was in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, and um, lived there for a couple of years and, and began to work in churches. That was when every every Baptist church had a bus ministry, so we were busing children yeah. <laughs> So we did all kinds of things we would never allow a bus director to do in our church today. But <laughs> then uh, went to a, a so that kind of got us into vocational ministry. But I guess we'll get to that a, a little bit later. Um, so we've been at Cornerstone since 1998. So it's been a really good. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So wow. uh, 22 years. So that's uh, uh, I think the church is about 26 years old. So we were not on the ground floor, but Kind of were in the early days there. Very cool. Okay. Well, I was born in Bryan, Texas. Lived my life there until I married my husband, pretty much. And as he said, we met at AM. I was raised by a single mom and a widowed grandmother, and my sister and I were there in Bryan and um, went to church, which was several blocks. Usually I walked or some friends would, would, uh, take us to church, and I walked the aisle at age seven, basically because my sister did, 
And but I know for without a doubt that I did not understand the gospel, and that was just the thing that I did. Mm-hmm. But years later, um, at, in fact, I believe probably when we were at AM, the Baptist Student Union at the Bible studies there, I began to realize that. Mm-hmm. Wow, the Bible was more than a history book, and that it really um, applied to my life. I wish I could tell you the exact time of my conversion, but I I'm really not sure. I do know when we lived in Baton Rouge, Danny was a youth director at a church there, a small church, and one Sunday evening he played the film, and it was a very old film of Pilgrim's Progress. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, it, animated. it was an animated, yeah. really, really old film of it. <laughs> and sitting there, it's just like I think the Lord, in a sense, opened my eyes to the gospel, mm. really for the first time, especially my sin. You know, a Christian carries this huge burden of sin. Since then, I've actually read the book several times. Mm-hmm. I love the book, but. Um, but that was my first introduction to Pilgrim's Progress. And it was just like when Christian came to the cross with this burden on his back, I realized I have that burden. I remember talking to our pastor and saying, I don't, you know, I don't really think I'm a Christian. And he said, well, go in there and get on your knees and <laughs> I said, okay. And I, you know, I did that and I was baptized. Uh, but was that the true, my true conversion? I don't know. I really don't know because I look back and think, I don't know that my life changed that much. But that is, a, you know, I always jump back to that time because I, it was very significant uh, in my life. Yeah, that's cool. So, anyway. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. <laughs> Maybe I could pick up for both of us kind of at the Baptist Student Center because that was such a amazing time for both of us in the uh, you're going to ask us about people that influenced our lives. Yeah. We had, a, we had a Baptist student center director named Bob Birch. Mm-hmm. And he had been there just two or three years. And he had a background of um, United Methodist, Southern Baptist, Navigators, Campus Crusade. So he brought a real strong uh, discipleship kind of idea. And he just taught the Bible every day at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Little old ladies from churches around Brian College Station would bring sandwiches, and people began to gather. And find, I guess we had a couple of hundred at sometimes. Wow! And uh, and that was where we really began to delight in the Word of God. And mm-hmm. and I guess for me, Bob is as close of a mentor and a you know a structured disciple, discipler. And uh, so those were really wonderful, wonderful days. Uh, just a little more of my spiritual journey. Uh, after we married, I don't know what caused it. It wasn't the, it wasn't the marriage, but uh, well. it, it, but I went in, I went into a really deep time of uh, for about ten years of of uh, spiritual doubt and questions, and maybe then it would have been clinical depression. We didn't do much of that kind of stuff for the Christian community back then, but um, but that was a really difficult time uh, for me. And so I and but after about ten years, by God's grace and through through some people and through a couple of books, um, I began to, to work out of those things and find my hope and assurance. Sure. Yeah. But that has really given me a compassion for people that struggle. Mm. Uh, first of all, not, not, not being able to point to a moment in time when they were converted. And two, that because of their temperament or personality or maybe some issue in their life, they struggle with assurance. So mm. that's given me a, a heart of compassion for 
for that group of us that, you know, that struggle in that way. And I, w- I just want to say that because I think in our evangelical community, most of us are kind of afraid to admit that because we think that that might put us in kind of a leprous colony. Yeah. 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 It shouldn't. And I don't think it does at our church. But anyway, that's helped me to, to have uh, tenderness and compassion for folks mm-hmm. like that. And I'm so grateful that, especially at, in my age, that I can now look back and see God's amazing work in my life mm. and how through many years and trials and you know things that he used those to open my eyes to him to draw me <clears throat> closer to him yes Amen. that's awesome it really is amazing how the lord equips us through our suffering sometimes to be effective ministers for his kingdom that's that's beautiful though that you mm-hmm. see that and see that as something the lord did that was goodness for for the body that's very cool yes Yes. Yeah. Any other influences for either of you? Oh, yeah, I've got dozens of them. <laughs> but just, uh, you're talking about people particularly? Yeah. Well, I, I really would start with my parents. Uh, mm. You know, they didn't have a daily quiet time like we think you should and those kind of things. But they were they had a solid marriage. They took me to church every Sunday, even through my kind of semi-rebellious teenage years. That was not an option if I was going to. Put my feet under their table. I was going to church. <laughs> I didn't like it at the time, but but God even used those. Mm-hmm. You know, used those days. I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. Then I mentioned uh, Bob Birch um, there at um, uh, at the the Baptist Union. Uh, the, the first pastor we worked with was a fellow named Luther Price, and he was the one that Megan, I mean, that Dixie mentioned uh, that, that helped her to take a, a step mm-hmm. uh, toward the grace of God, and then. Um, I finally ended up uh, after seminary at Baylor University doing doctoral work. And I went from Mid-America Seminary, which is far way to the right. I guess you'd almost say a fundamentalist Baptist seminary. And I don't really say that critically. I just say that, you know, as a descriptor. And then went to to Baylor after that and pretty much went as far to the left as you could go. And I didn't really realize that was going to happen. And I still kind of believe the Baylor you know, Baptist school kind of thing where, where it was maybe 50 years ago. And that was a really difficult time for me to, to sit under the, the teaching of, of uh, most of the men and women there that didn't believe the Bible, didn't hold it in a high position of authority and inspiration. But there was one evangelical teacher there, and his name was uh, Dr. Robert Sloan. And he was my, my lifeline, my anchor during that time. And uh, he just... Uh, yeah, he was an exceptional scholar, but he also was a warm-hearted evangelical that loved Christ and loved the gospel. So he, I don't know what may have happened, humanly speaking, without him to be there for me during those years of just having to continually imbibe this far-left German liberalism perspective on the scriptures. And it was really a, a terrible thing. But again, you know, one of those experiences that maybe prepared me for other things. Yeah. Um, in seminary, we had a I had a professor named Reginald Barnard, and he was about seventy years old at that time. And he had been the principal of Spurgeon's College in England. Oh wow! <laughs> and he was getting ready to retire, and he said, "The Lord said, no, go to the U.S. and plug into a seminary there and help some young boys, you know, get on the way." And he became such a I didn't know what Reformed theology was then, but he was one. <laughs> and, yeah. and I just back on his life, you know, I just realized what a anchor he was for me and began to at least uh, exemplify what 
Reformed theology was. And, mm. and then um, just a couple other folks. Um, our first uh, preaching pastor, um, uh, <laughs> Sam Tullock. Yeah, yeah, Sam Tullock was the first preacher I heard consistently at, at Cornerstone, consistently mm. proclaim the gospel from a Reformed perspective. And that just, we, we were probably Reformed before we came to Cornerstone, but we didn't know it. We didn't know the categories, but <laughs> he really helped us. And then, and then uh, uh, Justin Wheeler is the finest pastor we've ever set under. Yeah. And I would say in, in many ways, it's particularly consistently, uh, week after week after week is faithful in <laughs> proclaiming the gospel to us. So yeah. we thank God for, for yes. him. And then, yes. Yes. you know, our other elders, um, Mark and Terry and our deacons, and I could almost go down the membership role and talk about how people have been a blessing to me there mm-hmm. at Cornerstone. All right. Anyone else? Oh. And Dixie. Oh, no, I was not saying for now. So you were saying good day. Right there on my notes. <laughs> well, at least you pronounced it right. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh boy, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I can say that equivocally that no one has been a greater blessing of God in my life than Dixie. Amen. Stood by me through those really difficult years, and then she probably thinks some of the others have been pretty difficult too. But it's <laughs> consistent Christian life, and she wouldn't say that about herself. I'm thankful for her, her faithfulness to me and to to Christ and her love for others. Oh me, okay. <laughs> I think in my, especially in my early years, um, my grandmother was very. Um, influential to me she she was um our family had gone through some very very difficult times and um but she what i remember um about her was her her faithfulness she'd read the bible in the morning i'd see her in her you know quiet time and and just her life and and in the evening before she went to bed she always read the bible Mm -hmm. and and then even more so than that, um, it's just the life she lived, you know, before yeah. me and, and just pointing me to the Lord. Um, I remember in growing up in the fifties the and the sixties in a, in a the family situation that we had was very different because most people had fathers in the home yeah, and we did not. And I had a hard, hard time with that. And, you know, I remember my grandmother saying, uh, Dixie, you know, God is a father to the fatherless and a protector to the widows. And, and anyway, she would take me to the the scriptures and more than anything, I think she, I know she prayed for me and many times I probably would have gone a very different path, but I knew my grandmother was praying for me. I knew my grandmother, I knew I would disappoint her. I knew, you know, it would just break her heart. So, um, yeah, probably, you know, my grandmother definitely. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I, I oh, want to affirm that Mama Hall, we called mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Uh, boy, what a, what a heroine of love and the faith that I saw in her and realized that she played a big, huge role in the, you know, in the rearing of my dear wife. And yeah. I see, even the way Dixie cooks some things now and some of the things she does, I yeah. see, I see Mama Hall in her. Mama Hall. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's very quiet. Uh, 
but just uh, you know consistent in her faith and mm-hmm. and, and authentic. Uh, yeah, so that was really meaningful. And then the most, the next would be um, my husband. I would say is probably um, the greatest influence as far as um, the Christian life for me because I have seen through our 46 years of marriage, and yes, those first, especially 10 years were really rough, especially for him and his struggle uh, spiritually. But his, he's just, as we uh, speaking about authentic, my grandmother, Danny's the same way. He is authentic in his faith and his desire to, to, um, to walk with the Lord and to, to love him and to serve him. And, to, you know, and I've seen that through the years and he has been such a, a calming factor for me where I used to have, um, and yes, I used to, you know, have a bad temper, shall we say, no, and very, you know, loud. And, and we are very opposites in many ways. He's very quiet and, um, <laughs> you know, what's the word? Um, uh, Reclusive. I'm more the extrovert and so forth. But, Still, um, God has used our differences in so many ways. This, you know, the opposites attract. And for Danny, um, in so many ways, I've seen his gentleness and patience with me when, you know, I was ready to to just do crazy things. And, and he would be the sensible one and take, just, let's pray about it. Let's seek the Lord. Let's, you know, anyway. So, yes, I could go on and on about my husband because he is what you see is this is you know this is my dear husband i am i am very blessed and do not take it for granted that the lord has blessed me with this dear man amen uh, and and there have been other people in my you know um uh, in my life many of the same people that that danny mentioned um that's the other thing i call him danny most people call him Dan, but I call him Danny because that's his name, and that's he was Danny when I met him. <laughs> but, uh, but somehow through the years, it changed to Dan. But anyway, but many of the same people, I would say, uh, the, the pastors, the um, our Baptist Student Union director. Yeah, I would I would just amen what he said. Of course, uh, dear Justin. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, Justin has such great things to say about Dan as well. Behind the scenes, multiple times I've heard him mm-hmm. extol what a blessing it is to walk with Dan. So, amen to that. Mm-hmm. Tell me something about yourself that that a close friend or family member might know, but most people in the church might not know. What are some of your interests? Uh, reading, cooking, anything? If they're not cooking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought about that. Um, yeah, I think I'm kind of a dull person. I, 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 am, I don't know why, but I'm an avid Texas Rangers baseball fan. There you go. I don't know why. I, I don't go to too many games. That, you know, that's – I don't know. I go to three or four years maybe, and uh, and they change so much these days you can't really attach to a player very much. But I don't know. It's, it's almost uh, frightening to me how much I enjoy <laughs> just watching the Rangers game and still play for so that would be one thing. I don't know. I just I, I love quietness and aloneness, of course. And yeah. And I think one of my favorite things is just being with Dixie and walking through the Arboretum together. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, usually when we go on vacation, we try to find a B and B 
bed and breakfast out in the middle of nowhere where there's nothing to do and we can't get a good Wi-Fi signal. So, uh, that, I, love that. I love that alone this time, but then I love being with people too. So I know that's, uh, yeah. that's vital for all of us to be together as God's, God's people. Just reading a good book without the pressure of having to write a report or, mm. uh, I, I really appreciate uh, those those times, and I enjoy you know working out in the yard some and doing some things that I do a lot of people work in my work as a chaplain for businesses and then at the church too. A lot of people work, and that can be exhausting, and you can't always tell if you've made progress. But when you mow the yard or trim a head, you can pretty much see what, if you got it done or not. So that's yeah. kind of therapeutic for me, I guess, to be able to. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I think I'm also pretty dull compared to, you know, I kept thinking, boy, I wish I could say, you know, I like to go skydiving or something like that. (laughs) I definitely wouldn't like that. I do enjoy um, travel. We don't do it that much, uh, but in Danny's work, he's traveled quite a bit and there have been numerous times when I've been able to join him and um, uh, internationally and, and in the States too. And so that's, very special. Um, I also, I do love, he spoke of the Arboretum and I love flowers and plants, but most people that know me know that. And I just, you know, love to be out in God's creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, I'm amazed that, you know, there's, oh, he's what a great, wonderful creator we have. And mm-hmm. um, so I see a lot of that in, in the beauty of the outdoors and in plants and flowers and so on. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, see, I I call our back porch a mini arboretum because she fills it full of all kinds of flowers about this time of year. It's (laughs) a great place I love to just go sit and yeah, relax and and uh, be alone. A cup of coffee and be alone with your thoughts, huh? Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. The next question I have on my list, I think you probably already answered, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. Who or what helped you understand the gospel? Well, I, I'm sure that those early pastors did. I don't, you know, I didn't, I don't remember a lot about that, but I think we usually went to pretty solid Southern Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my assumption. Um, but coming to really grasp the, the full orb gospel from the Reformed tradition, uh, I, I think I would say uh, Sam Tullock, our first preaching pastor, would be the first one that did that. And then um, and of course, Justin, a uh, week after week, yeah. and then you know people like John Piper and others that, that uh, have been a great, a great blessing. Mm-hmm. To me. So that those that group, I think. Yes, yes, I would agree. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think when I um, just how blessed I am to have been exposed to the gospel. Although as a child, I also went very regularly into church and I know our pastor must have preached the gospel, but I don't think I had ears to hear. And, but um, as we've already mentioned, I think I first began to have understanding in those early years at, at A&M, those Bible studies, mm-hmm. but you know, just throughout, I'm so, so thankful that um, at Cornerstone, the gospel is, it, you know, it's it's dominant, obviously, as yeah. it should be. And, and we've had the, the privilege of teaching the the children, children's Sunday school for many years now. 
And I just love it that it is so, you know, our children, the young children get, I'm sure they probably do at home too, but, but Sunday after Sunday, not only do they hear it from the pulpit, but they hear in Sunday school, the gospel and, yeah. and it's such a privilege to be able to, you know, to share that with the children. Yep. That's yep. good. So tell me, what are the top three, two or three most influential books that you've read? Okay. Obviously, that's in addition to the scriptures. In addition to the Bible, of course, yes. <laughs> well, when I was going through that really difficult 10-year time, it was really difficult because I was usually in vocational Christian work at that time. So that added a heavy dimension of a sense of uh, hypocrisy and guilt. And mm. uh, we were at this little church in South Carolina where I was kind of a youth and children's director and really just struggling. And a, and a college friend came by. And uh, I hadn't seen him in two or three years. And he said, hey, I got a little book. He didn't know about my struggles, I don't think. I was too ashamed to mention that to many people. Mm-hmm. But um, he said, I got a little book for you here. I'll just leave it with you. And he did. And um, it's in my top three. It's All of Grace by Charles Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. And I read that book. And, and um, boy, the peace of God just wafted over my soul as I just saw the clear, I mean, that's the name of the book, All of Grace, Nothing More. No. That little book, I, I remember one time I was able to buy a case of them for like a dollar a piece <laughs> so I could give them away kind of like gospel tracts because I, I assumed the whole world would love this book. Yeah. Well, they didn't necessarily, <laughs> but it's, it's connected with a few that really do need a, you know, a real good dose. And, and frankly, when I get discouraged or depressed or even a doubt or two here or there, I pick up all of grace and, you know, read it again, particularly chapter seven. It just talks about don't let your faith be your savior. Let Jesus be your savior. And Amen. You know, I appreciate that. Um, another one uh, was given to me by a friend uh, in Waco in 1992. And it was the pleasures of God by John Piper. Mm. I've never heard of John Piper. And of course you do the, the dating on that, that was really maybe a second book. And so I didn't know who John Piper was, but that the book, The Pleasures of God, really became a, that kind of was an entry into Reformed theology. We didn't join Cornerstone for eight or nine years later, but um, I still go back to that book. He's republished it, and I, I like to read it with, with men that I meet with sometimes. Uh, the others, um, well, Pilgrim's Progress, but a little book that's really been helpful to me is uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied by John Murray. Mm. It's a little tiny book, maybe 120 pages, but Redemption Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Uh, Murray was a a professor, I think, at Westminster Theological Seminary. And that little book just put some things in place for me when you think about the title, Redemption Accomplished and then Applied. So maybe those, those three would be the the ones that I can think of, many others, but those three, I think. Very cool. I, I really have struggled with this because I don't know that I could really nail it down to three. <laughs> uh, I, really don't. I really, as I mentioned earlier, probably um, Pilgrim's Progress would, would be number one as far as influential. And, and as I've said, since the film, I've read it <laughs> several times since then. And um, he, you know, I'm thinking, okay, of course, there's knowing God, there's, uh, and like Danny said, um, Piper's um, um, book and um, the first one, um, 
uh, um, all of grace. All of grace. Uh, all, all of these were were very uh, meaningful to me, but I don't know that I can number. Which I'll tell you, the other thing that has really shaped me in many ways, and in, that has been an influence, I guess I should say, is Christian biographies. I love Christian biographies. We used to read them to our children, especially missionary biographies. You know, Amy Carmichael and. Um, Barry Slessor. Yes. Um, the uh, George Beeler, you know, um, mm. <clears throat> Darla, uh, Darling D. LaRose, amazing, amazing stories. And I read the lives of these people, and, you know, I know they were just, you know, they were human and they were sinners and all that, yeah. but but we can learn so much from them and, and yeah. their walk with the Lord. So, um, yeah. That's those were all meaningful. Very cool. So, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand right now? Well, uh, I'm reading the uh, uh, Gospel Comes with a House Key. Mm-hmm. I'm behind on that. The COVID thing kind of got me off track. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get that caught up. And I'm reading that because one of my pastors said I should, and I I like to do what my pastors say to do. So, <laughs> a good word. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have selected that book if you know Justin hadn't hadn't suggested it. Um, I like to read books with men. So I like to have breakfast with men and read books. And one that I'm reading with one fella is uh, a praying life uh, by Miller. So mm. those, those two would be ones. I'm not dabble in a bunch of books at the same mm. time. So, yeah. but, but those two are ones I'm trying to, to work through now. Very cool. Yeah. I was also tempted to go find some very intellectual book to put on <laughs> my, my stand. <laughs> <laughs> Because actually, I don't. I have my reading chair, and then the stand next to my reading chair, and and actually, I have the same thing. I have the the book uh, that uh, the gospel comes with the house key, and had and I, and I I like the book. I like the her writing, but I've had also a struggle getting through it. But it's I'm making progress. So I'm encouraged, and then I have my ESV study Bible there that I grab, you know, and study, um, especially when I'm going through my daily Bible reading. I love to, you know, investigate verses through that. But at the moment, that is, that's it. Wow. That's right. That's good. How did you get involved in ministry and, and specifically at Cornerstone? Okay. Uh, well, maybe just for context, uh, when I was at the Baylor, again, that was a really difficult time for me. And I got so weary reading liberal German authors and things like that, that they felt like was important. And I'm not saying every German author is a liberal, but that, that was the ones they loved. And so that's where I became associated with Marketplace Ministries, Marketplace Chaplains. That was in 1986. And I thought that, and it was so refreshing to me to get to be a chaplain for businesses and walk among real people and Father bring the love of God and, and the gospel to them. So, uh, so I thought it'd be a little part-time job I would do for a couple of years while I finished the doctor work, but it's become a career. I've been with this group uh, over 34 years now. And so that's kind of my major vocational ministry. Um, at Cornerstone, um, uh, since I, I, I believe I have a gift of teaching then almost immediately and Dixie does too. So, Immediately when we joined the, the church was very 
very small, so they were eager to have teachers. So Dixie and uh, Vicki Sword were teaching. They, they taught the children's Sunday school for years, and then I got involved teaching the. We had one adult class at that time, so I taught that that class. And then um, our, in the early two thousands is when we moved toward a multiple elder model, and a couple of us were were elected as elders. And then when Dr. Tullock left, then uh, uh, our elders, I and a couple other fellows, uh, we became the, the preachers, and so we preached uh, for several years, and then realized that that we needed to do something different and and provide a more consistent pulpit ministry. And that's when Justin came. So yeah, um, it's been a pleasure to be obviously part of the church, and then particularly, uh, I just really delight in being part of the elder deacon group and. Working close with those men, and then teaching children Sunday school with with Dixie. I tell people I got promoted from the adult class to the seven year olds and <laughs> the seven eight year olds, and it really is good because it forces you to to simplify the gospel to its yeah. their roots. And sometimes we can get away with not doing that among adults, but not with children. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously, I. With my husband on on how we became involved um, at Cornerstone, but I think back particularly, um, I taught school uh, for what ten or ten years or so, and and then I homeschooled for a number of years, and uh, and I you know I love children, I love children, I love the elderly. Now I am elderly, but anyway, that was uh, I guess my ministry more so through the years. With it has been and continues to be, um, particularly with the children. And so I just, you know, I can't imagine sitting in a dull adult Sunday school class. <laughs> it's just that the kids are so refreshing. They're just, um, you know, there's such a joy to me because you never know what's going to come out of their mouth or, or what they're going to do or say and well, that can happen um, in an adult Sunday school class too. I'm just saying oh, probably so. It's been so many years since I've been to an adult Sunday school class. I, I'm not even sure what goes on in there. But I know in the children's class it's it's just um I don't know, it's just a very special I feel very privileged to to be able to, you know, be one of their teachers and have that influence in their lives. And yeah, we really miss those kids. We, we do miss know, we, them. We've tried yeah. to stay in touch a little bit. We haven't done a real good job of that, but we just can't wait to be back together again. And that's yeah. awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, so, and you may or may not have answered this, but just want to go ahead and ask, um, what uh, what aspect of ministry do you find exciting or energizing? And then also, what is what is the what are some of the challenges that you face uh, in your ministry? Well, we mentioned how much we love the teaching the scriptures to whatever group it may be, but with the kids mm-hmm. particularly now. Um, I, and I, again, I love being with those elders and deacons. We meet, as you may know, uh, the elders and deacons meet together one, the first Tuesday of every month, and the elders meet as an individual group uh, this, the fourth Tuesday or third, third Tuesday. And those are real long meetings. The elders meetings can often run from 6.30 to 10.30. Wow. And they're exhausting. I'm a morning person, so I'm, I've been up since you know early morning. But, but I love being with those guys, and and it is really true. We have harmony and unity, great diversity, but harmony and unity, you know, around the essentials. So I love, I love that. I I love it when 
God could use me in a kind of a one-on-one counseling or discipleship group and to to be able to take a little piece of scripture and apply it to a little piece of somebody's life. And when the light comes on and they say, oh, I see what that, I see the truth of that. And I'm now I'm free in this area. I, I can go that direction. I, I love that when it happens. Did you ask about the difficult parts? Yeah. Okay. Challenging. Well, uh, the challenging times for me are to see hurting families that can't seem to get beyond issues that keep them from, being a, a family as God has ordained it, that it be. We don't have a lot of those in our church, but we have a few, and those yes. those are difficult. Um, and then, of course, um, anytime we have to do church discipline is a yeah. deep and grievous thing. I like to say to people, we're not very good at it because, thankfully, we hadn't had to do it very often. Yeah. You know, maybe five or six times in our 20 years. That's that's mm-hmm. All of those are bad, but maybe that's not as bad as it could be. So that... Yeah, that really uh, breaks my heart when that has to happen. And mm-hmm. frankly, you know, the rest of the restorative process in church discipline hasn't happened very often in our church. Usually it means uh, somebody set outside the body and, and a family has been broken up or something like that. So that's mm-hmm. really uh, sad for me, but I'm glad mm-hmm. that we do it. And it's an important part of our church body politic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, I would, Agree with my husband. I think that probably the most challenging or maybe even the word would be disappointing because we have taught children for so many years. I mean, now we've been at Cornerstone 22 years and and I've seen a lot of children have come through our Sunday school class. And um, and I know of many that have gone astray, you know, or not walking with the Lord or had turned totally from uh, following him, children that was in our class and that I know have heard the gospel or maybe even their parents uh, are believers and taught. But that is to me the the hardest thing to know. Um, you know, they have heard the gospel. They know the truth. And yet they have gone the way of the world. So to me, that's uh, that is uh, that is hard. That is true. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree. So how, how did you end up at Cornerstone? I, we, I heard kind of some, some developmental things, but it felt like that was kind of more Fort Worthy and kind of other areas. How did you end up, end up in the area and at Cornerstone? Oh, this is such a neat story. Can I tell it? You want oh, to you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> we had moved from Garland to Wiley, and being local church people, we said, we got to get in the local church. We're like a duck out of water, and so let's find a local church. So we didn't know about Cornerstone then, but we we began to you know visit around a few churches, and they were okay. Uh, some were Baptist churches. That was okay with us. And we found a little church that met in a shopping center. Actually, it was in North Garland. It was back in Garland, but it was still, you know, just closer, much closer. seven or eight minutes from us. But we live in South, way South Wiley, actually North uh, Dallas County. So we were going to join that church. We didn't really like, I mean, it wasn't a delight for us, but they were, you know, they were uh, faithful to the gospel. And so we said, let's join it. Well, we had some neighbors in our little neighborhood named uh, Craig and Vicky Sword. Because mm. uh, our kids were all young then, and Dixie and Vicky got to know each other. I think you met at well, a garage sale. we met sale. at a garage sale in the neighborhood. And I'll just jump in here yeah. now. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> and, uh, and so Megan was 
seven at the time. And Vicki was at this garage sale with her little girl, whose name is Megan, and a year or two younger than ours. She said, why don't y'all just come over and we can swim and just get to know each other. And so she invited us. I think we that next day or so, we were in their backyard swimming pool and visiting. And wow. you want to take it from there? Well, so I guess she said, y'all join a church or something. We said, yeah, we, we don't. No, we're not all excited about this church, but we just need to get in a, in a local church. So we're going to yeah. move toward membership in this church. And she said, well, why don't you just come to our church one time? <laughs> we, and we did, and we've never been well, anywhere else. And the rest, she also mentioned that she said, our pastor just, I don't know how this came up in the conversation, but she mentioned something that he just loves Spurgeon. <laughs> and that, my ears perked up because I knew my husband loves Spurgeon. And she said, I think he even had, she said, he has a picture over his fireplace of Spurgeon. <laughs> I thought, well, we might want to check this guy out. So that next Sunday, yeah. We we, visited we've literally Sunday. never been into any other church since then. Oh, they, wow. they were in a break here at that time. And it was really strange, but very yeah, special. That's good. That's awesome. Well, the church sure has been blessed by having you. That's, we're, we've only been there a couple of years, but clearly you're, you're a huge influence on the brethren there. That's great. So, so when when the Lord takes you home, and your days your days on this planet are done. What do you want people to say about you? Well, that's that's a really introspective question. I'm, I'm glad you've asked it because it's good to think about it. Uh, and I, the, the thought that I have is, I would like to just maybe on my tombstone, uh, he was faithful, mm. and then fill in the blank, whatever that may be—a faithful husband, a faithful father, a faithful friend, a faithful elder. Mm. I guess that's what I'd like to be known as, that that I could be counted on and depended on um, to be faithful to, to Christ, of course, first of all, but then through him to others. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I thought of First John 4.10. Um, I'm just going to read it. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and Mm -hmm. sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, I think I would want people to remember me as a person that loved them, that loved and cared for others because of Christ, because Christ Mm -hmm. loved her, loved me, in other words. uh, Yeah, that... um, you know, I, I don't know. I was trying to think of some cute little thing to put on my tombstone and nothing came, you know. But uh, <laughs> I remember that, you know, she loved people she loved, but it was because Christ, Christ in me. Yeah. Amen. Oh, That's I a good that. word. Amen. Well, well, thank you so much, guys. This yeah. has been, you guys are such a delight and you're such an encouragement and um, you're what I want to be when I grow up. So. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for taking the time and, and, uh, and we really appreciate you. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate thank you. you for making it happen. Yes. Yeah. See you. Our pleasure. Well, I hope that this interview has been a helpful encouragement to you. If you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cornerstone Wiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.